I'm glad for you guys to be here. I'm glad to be here. There's a lot going on, obviously, today. Um, you know, St. Patrick's Day. Those of you who are wearing the green uh, have the uh, right amount of Irish in you, so I appreciate you. Uh, you guys may know it, not know this, but uh, um, there are a lot of crotties over in the old country in Ireland. And uh, my granddad always used to say, we got run out of Ireland so fast, we dropped the O. We used to be O'Crotty back over in those days. And so the final four starts uh, this uh, today. Everybody got the brackets done? Who would have ever thought we'd come up with the word bracketology? And everybody would know what it means. Uh, so we're going to talk about uh, uh, something that probably fits with the final four. You know, uh, there are a lot of guys sitting in this room that have justifiable pride in uh, what's going on with their team over the next uh, couple of weeks. And we'll see what uh, Scripture has to say about pride, justifiable pride, and pride that's destructive. So let's get started. Lord, thanks for the privilege of coming together, even on spring break, um, as a body of men who are uh, determined to uh, follow hard after you. So Lord, we uh, just lift this time up to you. Uh, and, Father, may it be a time that we have a chance to look at uh, what pride is and also what it is to be able to speak truth uh, to those in authority over us. That's a scary thing. And yet, Father, we know most of all you're sovereign, even in situations like that. And so we thank you how we see your sovereignty played out in the book of Daniel. And, Lord, may we be men whose hearts align with your sovereignty to uh, order our lives in accordance with what you would have us do. So thanks for this time. In Christ's name, amen. All right, let's get started here. Um, we're going to talk about uh, Nebuchadnezzar today. And, you know, um, in the first three chapters, who's the guy that we see in every chapter? Nebuchadnezzar. We don't see Daniel in all uh, the first three chapters. You know, Daniel is uh, noticeably absent. And in fact, that was a question that was asked in my group. Where was Daniel in chapter 3? Well, in um, chapter 4, Daniel shows back up uh, in a big way. Uh, But the guy who has been present in each of the first four chapters of the book of Daniel is Nebuchadnezzar. And you know, if anybody had uh, reason to be uh, prideful... Nebuchadnezzar did. Not only was he known as the destroyer of nations and the conqueror of the what was probably then the known world, uh, but he also was a uh, great builder. Uh, he turned Babylon into one of the most, in fact, the most beautiful city of the ancient world. And he was so great that someone even in our day uh, holds himself out to be, or held himself out to be, uh, the reincarnation of Nebuchadnezzar, Sodom Hussein. And you see right here a brick from uh, uh, Sodom Hussein's rebuilding of Babylon. And uh, on these bricks, uh, um, my Arabic isn't that good anymore, and uh, um, because it never was, and maybe yours isn't either, uh, but it reads to King Nebuchadnezzar, 
in the reign of Saddam Hussein. So Nebuchadnezzar is a guy who was so famous that he has invaded uh, uh, modern culture today, and Saddam Hussein wanted to be the reincarnation of Nebuchadnezzar. In fact, he even named one of his Republican Guard uh, uh, brigades after Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, this next slide will show you uh, something else that uh, is known as a Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, so down in the uh, far corner, you see what is the regular 750 milliliter wine bottle. And you compare that with the Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar actually holds 20 such 750 milliliter wine bottles. Uh, it's a big dude. And it's justifiably named after someone that was actually larger than life back in the ancient world. Nebuchadnezzar has become so famous that he, he's actually been made a character in Veggie Tales. Now that is the height of fame, isn't it? Okay? How many of y'all have watched Veggie Tales? Yeah, there we go. Y'all know about King Nebuchadnezzar? He was a cucumber, a big green cucumber. And his name was Nebi. K. Nezer. Mr. Nezer, they called him. Okay? And he starred first, he first came to light in a uh, little um, show called Rack, uh, let's see, Shack, Rack, and Benny. Okay? And it was obviously the story of Daniel 3 um, in the fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego became Shack, Rack, and Benny. Now that's uh, the height of thing. You know, one of the seven ancient wonders of uh, the world were the hanging gardens of Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar built those hanging gardens. And like all good uh, husbands, he built it for his homesick wife, who missed the lush gardens of uh, her native land of Media. Uh, she was a Median princess that uh, Nebuchadnezzar married and joined up those two kingdoms. Okay, so... Um, this was a great man, and if anybody had a reason for justifiable pride, it was Nebuchadnezzar. And as we turn to Daniel 4, we see something uh, just in reading the text. Anybody know what the most repeated word in Daniel 4 is? Anybody? That a boy. John, good job. I, the word I. The word I is in there 18 times. This was a guy who had a pronoun problem. And that's what chapter 4 is all about. It's about a pronoun problem and being willing to speak truth to a guy who had a pronoun problem. All right. Let's see what the Bible says about pride. And you know, it's really never... Um, Mentioned in the Bible is a particularly good thing. Proverbs 11.2, when pride comes, then comes dishonor, but with the humble is wisdom. Proverbs 16.5, everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Assuredly, he will not go unpunished. I mean, does that fit with uh, what we're reading in Daniel 4? And then here's one that all of us know. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. Proverbs 29:23, A man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will bring honor. And then finally, what does the Lord have to say 
about pride. Well, I think he probably said it most succinctly in Luke eleven fourteen when he said, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And we really see that in uh, uh, Daniel 4. We see that lived out. We're given a uh, uh, story, a graphic reminder of what exactly what that looks like. So let's dive into the text. Open up your Bibles to uh, Daniel 4. And let's just go through uh, uh, just a few things that I want to call to your mind. And then we'll uh, uh, sum up with uh, some issues uh, that we need to talk about. And then three questions that I want you to ask yourself. I don't know about you, but uh, um, I was a little thrown off by the first three verses. Because, you know, in the first three verses, everything seems pretty good. It seems like that Nebuchadnezzar is kind of is rightly oriented to God and that uh, um, he's doing okay. But the key to that is that those first three verses are uh, basically a flashback. That's the end of the story. The first three verses are after uh, Nebuchadnezzar's reason has returned to him. Okay? And so, um, you know, you... Uh, have all seen movies that are told as a flashback where you start at the end and then some character tells the story. Well, this, um, this whole chapter really is a royal proclamation that Nebuchadnezzar uh, either wrote himself, which is probably not likely, or he dictated to one of his scribes, which is certainly possible, or probably even more likely that he dictated to Daniel. And so we read it uh, in the first person for the most part of it. That's one of the reasons why there's so many eyes in there. And you notice uh, um, when Nebuchadnezzar has this dream that's the subject of uh, chapter 4, look at his reaction and think about what his reaction was in chapter 2 when he had his first dream. Okay? In chapter 2, he simply, it wakes him up and he loses a little sleep. But here the Hebrew word means that he was terrified. That it's a word that brings to mind the picture of extreme fright or terror. So this was something that he knew, and I think he probably knew instinctively, that this tree, well it wasn't just Babylon, but it was a representation of himself. Maybe he knew that instinctively. And maybe that's why it just so alarmed him. But either way, whether it was his kingdom or whether it was himself, you know, it wasn't going to be good news for him. And so it obviously uh, uh, upset him. It's interesting to note in verse 17, it says that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. And we'll see that repeated in there uh, Two other times in verses 25 and 32. And to me, that's really the theme of this chapter. God wants us to understand that He rules the kingdom of men. And so our job is to get aligned with what His plan is. And that's what we're called to do as believers in Christ. The sovereignty of God uh, overrules the action of men. Now, he may allow them to go on, and we'll see that here uh, in chapter 4, where um, the Lord gives this warning to Nebuchadnezzar and then allows him a full year to have a chance to comply with what he's been warned to do. But that I'm jumping ahead. It's also interesting to note Daniel's reaction 
uh, to the um, dream. Look in verse 19. Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. So not only was the king terrified, but what Daniel saw that uh, the interpretation of the vision was alarmed him as well. And you know, I really don't think it alarmed him because he was scared for himself uh, that he was going to have to deliver bad news to somebody who with a word could lop off his head. I think what really concerned him was that he had a compassion and he had a care for this king that had grown up. You know, uh, scholars speculate that this could have been 30 or 40 years into Nebuchadnezzar's rule. And so Daniel had uh, grown to know and to love this king whom he served. And I think that comes out in just uh, the way the chapter plays out in what Daniel says to Nebuchadnezzar. And then take a look at uh, verse 22. This is the way to deliver bad news to someone in authority. You know, if you've ever had to deliver bad news, you don't want to go into a long, rambling monologue. You want to get it out quick, you want to be short, and you want to be brief. And so what does uh, Daniel say? He says, it is you. And it reminds me of uh, the prophet Nathan, who when he comes to confront David over um, the Bathsheba affair. He tells him a story, but the punchline is short and direct to King David. He says, you are the man. And this reminds me of just that. Daniel delivers the punchline quickly. It's you, King, that this uh, vision is about. Take a look at Daniel's counsel. He gives the king uh, uh, an opportunity uh, to change his ways. And if you'll notice in verse 27, he says, Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. He does it with respect. He honors the one whom he serves. But he delivers the uh, um, antidote to what is about to befall Nebuchadnezzar in a direct way. He says, you need to break off your sins. You need to practice righteousness. And probably most of all, you need to show mercy to the oppressed. And there's no doubt that Nebuchadnezzar had oppressed many people in both his conquests and also just in his building of the city of Babylon. And if you'll notice right there, uh, verse 29, same place. At the end of 12 months, Nebuchadnezzar was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? And the book says his words were still hanging in his mouth when a voice from heaven came and said, That's it. Your kingdom's being taken from you today. And I love, uh, let's see, in verse... um, Uh, 33, the first word in the verse, immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. You know, guys, despite the fact that he had been given 12 months, Nebuchadnezzar did not take to heart Daniel's grace warning. And isn't that the way the Lord always does with us? You know, 
He gives us a standard. He gives us something to do. He says, stop doing whatever sin you're committing in your life. And He gives us time to adjust to His sovereignty, to His will. But there comes a point in time when He says, that's enough. And you reap the consequences of what you sowed. And that's exactly what's happened to Nebuchadnezzar. Immediately, judgment comes upon him. And he spends seven years uh, acting like an animal. And I don't know about you, but if I started acting like an animal today, and I had seven years to go, you know, it is 2018 before I'm back. And boys, that's a long time. Seven years were lost. Uh, But... Look at then in verse 34 through 36. When he makes recovery, he lifts his eyes to the heaven. And what do we see? We see reason returns. We see his kingdom restored to him. And then here's the the kicker. Look in um, at the end of verse 36. And still more greatness was added. And isn't that the way God does? He gives exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can think or ask. He gives back to Nebuchadnezzar when he uh, acknowledges who the Most High is. And when he gets rightly adjusted to who God is, he gives him back even greater than what he had uh, had previously. That's the way our God does. Here's the way I outlined uh, uh, the chapter. Uh, But, you know, the the whole punchline comes down to three issues and three questions. Let's talk about those for a second. So the three issues are, how do you deliver bad news to someone in authority over you? Well, Daniel is a great example of how to do that with respect, to honor his God, and also to respect the one in authority over him. And the second issue you see is, um, are you going to heed the grace warnings that you have been given in your life? Am I going to heed those warnings? Or are those just going to be empty words that go over my head and that I walk, continue to walk around uh, my roof looking out over the greatness of my kingdom? Well, my kingdom's not that great, but let me tell you guys, um, you know, pride is something that each of us deal with um, in our lives. You know, and what is pride? Pride simply is deciding to do it my way instead of God's way. Anytime I say I will instead of whatever the Lord wills, that's pride in action. Okay, and the the final issue is, what are you going to do with God's sovereignty? Are you going to uh, ignore it like King Nebuchadnezzar did and reap the consequences that that entails? Are you going to uh, align your actions and your heart, most importantly, with the sovereignty of God? So three issues. How to deliver bad news to those in authority in a way that allows you to do it with honor and respect, and also to keep your head. How to, uh, um, whether you're going to heed the warning that uh, uh, God has given you, and whether you're going to uh, get rightly uh, aligned with God's sovereignty. Okay, let's move on. I want to ask you to ask yourself these three questions. So what is it in my life 
that God's done for me or that He's given me that I'm taking credit for. Hmm. Now I've gone from preaching to meddling. What warnings has God given me through His Word, through the counsel of friends or the leading of the Holy Spirit, that I've ignored? And I can think of some right now as I'm right here on this stage. And I'm going, you know, Crotty, you better not let this message that you're given, that I've given you to give these guys, pass over without you paying attention to it. And then finally, am I willing to speak the truth in love to those who are in authority over me? I don't know about you all, but I've had the opportunity to do that. You know... uh, this was a, a time when uh, it all came out of an office Christmas party and some things went on at that Christmas party that I just didn't think were right. And so uh, I had a chance to uh, go to the king of my office and um, uh, had a chance to uh, express what I thought was uh, the inadequacies of uh, some of the things that went on in that Christmas party. And, uh, you know, um, I really did not do it like Daniel did it. Um, I did it. Now, this is going to sound stupid, because only because it was. But I did it in front of the office and said, Hey, King, you know, that Christmas party had some problems with it. And uh, he looked at me and said, We need to talk outside in just a minute. And I went, Okay, that's not a, a good tone of voice. And uh, so I went um, outside with the king, and, um, you know, my immediate boss actually went with me, which I greatly appreciated. So if I was going to go out, I would at least go out with a friend in the room. And, um, you know, by the time uh, I got outside, the king had calmed down, and he went, you know, you're right. There were some things that went on at that party that weren't right. And I'm going to make it right. And I also had the chance to say to him, Hey, King, you know, uh, I didn't do that well. One of the first things you learn in the Army is that whenever you're going to uh, uh, take up an issue with anybody, whether he's above you or below you, you never do it in a room full of people. You do it one-on-one. What does that sound like? Well, it sounds like Matthew 18 to me. You know, when your brother sins against you, you go to him in private, and you work it out in private. And I did not do that well. And I acknowledged that to the king and asked his forgiveness for not having done it well. And then, you know, the greatness of uh, this king was that he then called the entire office together. And uh, he said to him, hey, you know, um, that party was not so good, and I didn't do so well, and I want to ask your forgiveness. And then he went to each wife uh, in that little office and asked for uh, her forgiveness. And I just went, hey, that's a king worth following. Not because that king is great, but because that king follows one who is great. And so, you know, guys, to bring this all together, verse 37 really is Nebuchadnezzar's epitaph. And is that uh, something that will be your epitaph? Will that be my epitaph? It says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are true, and his ways are just, and he's able to humble 
those who walk in pride. Wow. That's a king who finally got it. So what's going to be our epitaph? Are we going to take credit for the things that God has given us? Or are we going to give Him the glory? Are we going to be guys who heed grace warnings? Or are we going to be guys who ignore them? And finally, what are we going to do about lining up with uh, God's sovereignty? Are we going to be the kind of men who are willing to listen to what God says to us? Who are willing to heed those grace warnings? And willing to look like fools to the rest of the world if that's what it takes to be lined up with the sovereignty of God. It's a great chapter, and uh, next week we'll see, uh, as we make a transition to a new king, uh, who has uh, to see whether he learned the lessons of Nebuchadnezzar. Let me close this in prayer. Father, thanks for this uh, privilege of come together of guys. And Lord, we want to be men who line up with your sovereignty. And Lord, we know that your sovereignty means that... Uh, Uh, Whether we line up with it or not, your will is going to be accomplished. And so, Father, let us be men who lay aside our own agendas, our own offense, and let us ruin your offense, Father. Let us be humble. Let us walk with humility, looking to the King of Heaven as the Most High in our life, in all our circumstances. We give you the honor and glory. Amen.